Chapter Three of Bird's Eye Views of Far Lands. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Danny Sayers. Bird's Eye Views of Far Lands by James T. Nichols. Chapter Three. The Country America Opened to Civilization Japan Three hundred and fifty years ago there were perhaps a million Christians in Japan. The great Jesuit missionary, Francis Xavier, introduced the religion of the Nazarene into Japan in 1849, and it spread like a prairie fire. But in the course of time, the Japanese leaders turned against the priests and leaders of the new religion, and undertook to obliterate everything Christian from their civilization. They placed a price upon the head of every Christian. They made what they called footplates, a plate about the size of a shoe sole, with a picture of Christ upon it. When a person was brought whom they suspicioned as being a Christian, they put this footplate down, and commanded the accused one to stamp it. If this was done freely, the person was allowed freedom, for they said no Christian would step on the face of Christ. If the accused one refused to do this, the horrors of his torture were so great that death was a release. The writer of these lines has seen some of these old footplates that have been preserved to this day. Stone signboards were placed along the highways of Japan, upon which were written, So long as the sun shall continue to warm the earth, let no Christian be so bold as to enter Japan, and let all know that the king of Spain himself, or the Christian's god, or the great god of all, if he dare violate this command, shall pay for it with his head. I saw one of these old signboards on exhibition in a museum in Tokyo. Japan closed her ports, established a deadline around her domain, and allowed no ships to land, shut out the world, and became a hermit nation. It was the 8th of July, 1853, that a fleet of vessels boldly crossed the forbidden line and dropped anchor in what is now known as Yokohama Harbor. It was Commodore Perry, and the stars and stripes were waving from the ship masts. At once there was great excitement on shore, and soon boats with men wearing swords were along the ship's sides, trying to explain that they were on forbidden territory. The men in the small boats were told emphatically that only the highest official could come on board. One of the men represented that he was second in rank, and when he was allowed to come on board, Commodore Perry refused to see him. After a parley, this Japanese officer was made to understand that the expedition bore a letter from the President of the United States to the Emperor of Japan, and that it could be delivered only to the officer of the highest rank. When the Japanese officer produced the notifications warning all ships against entering the port, the lieutenant refused to receive them. 
returning to the shore the officer came back to the ship in an hour or two saying that his superior would not receive the letter addressed to the emperor that he doubted that the emperor would receive the letter at all he was instantly informed that if the superior officer did not come for the letter at once the ships would proceed up the bay of yeddo and deliver the letter without him of course this ultimatum created great excitement and the officer finally asked to stay in the proceedings until the next day during the night signal fires blazed from the mountain tops and bells sounded the hours in the next few days the famous letter which was encased in a golden box of a thousand dollars value was delivered nothing very definite was accomplished however and the fleet came home the next year commodore perry returned with a larger fleet another letter and with presents of various kinds these consisted of cloth agricultural implements firearms and a small locomotive with cars and a mile of circular track for the miniature train together with a telegraph line to go around it the interest and curiosity caused by this miniature railway was wonderful people walked hundreds of miles to see it when some of the dignitaries were told that in the united states of america there were many large trains in which hundreds of passengers were carried they could hardly believe it one of these officials said that if big trains could carry passengers little ones ought to be able to do so it was then arranged for him to take a ride with his flowing robe he was assisted to mount one of these little cars like as if it were a donkey the whistle was blown the steam turned on and away he went around the circle and it created as much excitement as a balloon once did at a circus in this country finally it was suggested that a treaty be made between the united states and japan on board the flagship of commodore perry was a minister of the gospel who was consulted and after much discussion a clause was inserted giving america the right to erect or establish places of worship in japan and a promise that japan would abolish the practice of trampling on the face of christ and the cross at first our missionaries were restricted to certain localities and they had a time of it less than twenty-five years ago this treaty was revised and until this was done no christian missionary could leave these restricted areas without permission from the japanese government this treaty also gave japan the right to send their missionaries to the united states and thus we have a half hundred buddhist temples on the pacific coast at the present time on landing at yokohama one of the first places i went to visit was the great bronze idol of kamakura which is but eighteen miles from yokohama it is about fifty feet high and it is called the great buddha or diabutsa it is a thousand years old and a horrible looking affair i went up into the hollow image which is ninety-seven feet in diameter i wanted to scratch the eyes out for they are said to be made of solid gold years ago there was a temple over this image so it said but a great tidal wave swept the building away 
Now they are collecting money from tourists to erect another temple, so they say. They tackle every American for a subscription, and strangely enough, they get a lot of money out of them. Speaking of heathen temples brings to mind a large one that I visited in Tokyo. It is dedicated to a fox. The people used to believe, some of them do yet, that when one dies his spirit enters the form of some animal. A man is afraid to throw a rock at a dog, for fear he will hit his old grandfather. He doesn't know but that his grandfather's spirit entered that particular dog. So they dedicate their temples to these lower animals, and often take better care of animals than poor people. In this Tokyo temple mentioned, there is a great image in one end of the building, and below it a money chest, nearly as large as a trunk, the lid of which is like a hopper. Of course, it takes money to keep up the temple, and the followers of Buddha come here to worship. They always pay before they pray. A lot of us pray, and then don't pay. Fortune-tellers are nearly always in heathen temples. The gambling instinct abounds. The people, too, often undertake to deceive their gods by making promises that they will do so-and-so if successful when they never intend to fulfill the promises. It makes one's heart ache to see people bow down before these lifeless idols. Most of these temples are hotbeds of immorality, as many of the treacherous priests have neither principle nor conscience. One night I went to a real Japanese hotel. Of course, in a great city like Tokyo, there are plenty of English or European hotels, but in this case I went for the experience. Before entering, we had to take off our shoes. No person enters a real Japanese house with shoes on. However, they were clogs that can be kicked off at the door. Entering a small vestibule of the hotel, a servant bowed, seated us, took off our shoes, put them up like checking one's grip, brought slippers and assisted in putting them on, then invited us in. The proprietor bowed and began to apologize. The Japanese always apologize. A friend was with me, and the landlord said that he was very sorry that he had no rooms good enough for such dignified guests to sleep in, but he would give us his best. Bidding us to follow him, he led the way upstairs. I simply could not keep the slippers on my feet, so took them off and carried them, one in each hand. At the top of the stairway, a door slid open, and a Japanese lady began laughing. I expect she is telling yet about a foreigner who once came to the hotel who thought slippers were to wear on his hands. On reaching the rooms, amidst profuse apologies, he named the price, which was double the amount named on the printed card. When my friend called his attention to his published prices, he said, Yes, but I will make you fine gentlemen a discount, and proceeded to discount the price to that named on his card. The city of Tokyo is a little world in itself. It contains nearly three million people. It covers more than 28 square miles of territory. Its streets are generally narrow, and in much of the city, 
there is practically no sewer system. The refuse and night soil is all saved and sold for fertilizer. If a fire should get well started, it looks like a great portion of the city would go up in smoke, for most of the houses are of flimsy material and would burn like haystacks. They have no system of numbering houses, and to hunt for some certain one is like hunting for a needle in a haymow. Like in all cities, the people are pleasure-loving, and the parks and shows are well attended. In the very heart of the city is a square mile of territory given entirely up to the lowest form of evil. It is undoubtedly one of the most wicked spots on the globe. One must not judge the Japanese people, or even the people of Tokyo, by this standard, however, for no people ever made such tremendous strides as have the Japanese nation since the days of Commodore Perry. The great Imperial University of Tokyo makes one think of Yale or Harvard. The buildings are modern, and the campus beautiful and well-kept. Passing through these grounds, a friend pointed out the most noted buildings. Entering them, I found the most modern and up-to-date equipment. One large building is devoted exclusively to the study of earthquakes. The Japanese know more about earthquakes than any other people. The students are taught how to erect buildings earthquake-proof. The most powerful seismographs in the world are in this university, I saw a record of the San Francisco earthquake that was made by these instruments just when it started, when it was at the worst, length of time it lasted, and all about it. Here in this building is a picture of a place where, during an earthquake, the ground was opened and a lot of people had fallen perhaps a hundred feet down. The photograph was evidently taken just as the ground was closing and the people below were waving goodbye to those above as they were going to their death. Japan has been called the land of flowers and cherry blossoms, or the flowery kingdom. It is one of the most interesting countries on the globe to visit. While shut away to themselves, these people developed a civilization of their own, which is far superior, in most respects, to that of other oriental peoples. Their experience with Christianity corrupt though it was, no doubt gave them the start. The entire area of Japan is but little larger than California, and most of it is very mountainous, and yet so wonderful are they in the development of agriculture that nearly sixty million people live upon the products of their soil. The Japanese people think a lot of America, for they recognize the fact that to America they owe more than to any other nation. Their friendship for us is real, too, if one can judge anything by mingling with the people. All this talk about Japan attacking America is too ridiculous to think seriously about, even though we have not treated them as we should in all cases. If you were in Tokyo today, you would see the stars and stripes just below their own flag, and you would see more American flags than of all other nations combined barring, of course, their own. End of chapter 3